Good to be together this morning in the house of the Lord. Amen. Ready to receive God's word? Today is going to be good. It's going to be good. Um, and so we're going to ask you to get your Bibles out and uh, your sermon notes on the back of your bulletin. It's blank, and so just go ahead and um, uh, get that ready. There's a pen in front of you to take notes. I know you're going to want to write down a lot of the scriptures we talk about today. Also, inside of your bulletin, there's an insert that says the rights of a believer. If you could take that out, just have that uh, handy uh, nearby. It's good to welcome a majority of our staff that actually went to the Israel trip. It was quiet around the office the last couple of weeks, but it's good to have all of them back and, and so many of our church family, college family back, and so we want to say welcome uh, back, and it's good to have us all together again. Uh, we're going to begin uh, a, just a, a different kind of sermon today. We're in a series called The Christian Life. We've been doing this from the beginning, really, uh, actually the end of fall, we've been doing this and talking about what it means to follow Jesus, like those essentials of the Christian life. And recently we've been talking about our identity in Jesus, because we want to know who we are in Christ. We want to abide in that identity. And I want to give you a, a quote that I read this week, and I just love this, and so it's going to be on the screen. It says, the promises of God are like the rudder of a ship, reviewing them sets the direction for my whole life. The promises of God are directing your life if you allow them to. See, what I want is I want a life designed by the promises of God. And I know that's what you want too. You want your life designed by the promises of God. You were designed for the promises of God. You were designed for that relationship with God. You were designed for abundant life. You were designed for all of these things. And so we want to get this inside of us, and, and we want to have this as a reality in our life. But the, the truth is, it's so easy to stray in our thinking, right? Just stray into some of that natural, worldly thinking. And as we begin to stray, without even noticing it, our faith begins to erode. And we forget about the promises of God. We forget about that design in our life. And so today I want to do something a little bit different that we don't normally do for sermons, but this is going to be a super practical sermon. That's why I want you to have your sermon notes out, just to write some things down that you can do. Because I want us to get some practical tools on how we abide in our identity in Christ. And, and we do that by meditating on God's Word and reviewing it, and we're going to talk about that today. And so I'm going to invite someone up uh, here this morning to, to help me. And, uh, and, and uh, you know him probably well, but I'm going to invite Gary Knight to come down, and, and I'm going to interview him, and we're going to talk a little bit up front. But Gary's been, yeah, welcome Gary as he comes. <laughs> Good to see you. <laughs> Gary's been a, a member of our church for decades, and uh, I can't tell you how much I love Gary. You probably know Gary uh, in different ways, because you've seen him around. I knew him first as... Um, my boys brigade leader, I was just a little guy, and, and he was one of the leaders. He was very young at the time, though, so don't, uh, don't, uh, uh, don't worry about that. But, but God really uh, had blessed him and, and used him in the church all these years. And so we've been getting together for lunches over the last number of years. And the thing I love about going to lunch with Gary is I always leave encouraged. I really do. I always leave just full of the Lord and excited and blessed. And I've also seen Gary really grow in those years, that God has been doing something in his life 
And uh, it's almost like he's becoming a new person in Christ. I mean, obviously we all are, but there's just something that God's really doing inside of him. So I asked him to kind of share with me this weekend. We asked a little while ago, went to lunch. I said, hey, Gary, I'd love for you to come up and share what God's doing in your life and how it works in your life. And, and so before we jump into some of the practical things, uh, you may not know Gary, even though he's been around uh, for a long time. And I just want to tell you that Gary did not grow up in church uh, like, like I did. And, and, and uh, you know, I had, a, I had a great family and I, God was good and blessed. And so I, I have a good story. And so I've always wanted to be here, always wanted to be in church and, what God, and, and be in the middle of what God's doing. But Gary, you have a very different testimony than I have, but yet God is doing something amazing in your life and has done something amazing for years. So uh, before we dive in, maybe just share a little bit of your testimony so people can get to know you a little better. Well, I have been coming here 38 years. Um, So, and who I was back then is nothing like who I am today, praise the Lord. Um, The things I came in this church broken. Maybe people didn't see that on the outside, but I was on the inside. And, excuse me, I'm not going to try to get emotional, but the thing is, is that this is deep, you know, that song, the breath, are you soaking in the breath of God? Because if you do soak in the breath of God, it will change you from the inside out. And the thing is, to basically have that happen, you have to know what it's based on. Because the thing is, if you do not have the word of God in your life, you're going to create a God in your own image. It's going to be a God of your own thoughts. He can't, he can't, he can't, be a throne, he can't have his throne on your thoughts. What it needs to be, it has to be revelation. It has to be wisdom from on high. This is the only way you're ever going to come into the, the fullness of who he called you to be. Like Pastor was saying, you know, my sister Kareen's here, and, um, you know, we pretty much had a, a broken family. My dad died when I was uh, 11 years old, and even that, he was not, he, he was a broken person, and he really wasn't there for us. And, and then within a month, I lost my grandfather, and then a, a, an adult cousin stepped in, and he died a year and a half later. So from 11 to 12, you know, I just, okay, what's this life all about? And, you know, when you're that young, it's hard to really process those kind of things. You know, they just, they come at you, you know, like, like a sledgehammer, and so you just try to adapt. Well, the way I sort of adapted is at 13, I started doing drugs. And then my mother married a, a stepdad who brought in unbelievably bad pornography. And so, you know, I just, I was in a hole. I didn't know where I was going. But the amazing thing is, is God knew where I was. I was never lost in his sight. Never. The thing is, is and, and I look back now, and you say, well, gosh, poor Gary. No. Actually, I look at that as actually being a blessing because that brokenness, that hole, could only be filled by one person, and that's the Lord. The thing is, is, is if you're already full, there's no place for God. So sometimes we think, the thing, hard things that come into our life are... Actually, God's wanting to hurt you? No. He actually wants to, be, to do something in us so that we will actually release a part of us. You know, in Revelation 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone comes and opens the door, I will come in and I will sup with him. You know, a lot of people use that as, you know, starting point of salvation. But that's talking to the church. That's the spirit talking to the church. 
And the thing is, is the Lord has revealed a lot. There are so many rooms in our lives, so many areas. And how many of the rooms of our lives are those doors shut? Are they locked? You know, some of it, you know, they're bad things that have happened. They're either things that have happened to us or things that we have personally done. But the Lord says, I don't want you locking that door because that is still an area of your life that I can't possess. So the, the thing that has happened to me over the last 38 years is that I've come to know how much God loves me. That's so good. Because that's the starting point. Yeah. Because until you know you're loved, you can't trust. Yeah. And until you can't trust, you can't follow. Mm -hmm. And, if, and until, you can, until you learn how to follow, you can't know where you're going. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the thing is, is, just the simple fact that I am standing right here yeah. is you, you have no idea. <laughs> this, this 38 years ago would have been, I would have dreaded it. It would be like taking poison. And I was going to, I already told um, Pastor Merle that, you know, I'm going to tell on him because one of the things that happened back in the early days, you know, Pastor Merle would take the offering. And so you'd be asked if you wanted to usher. I did not really want to usher because the problem is if you ushered under Pastor Merrill, you'd come to the front and you would be asked to pray. <laughs> and I did not like my voice. The thing is, I could even say up to probably 15 years ago, you know, I, I'm an IT consultant and... I'm at clients, and there's times you have to page. You know, 15 years ago, I didn't even want to page because I, for some reason, did not like my voice. Isn't that weird? I'm here today talking. And the thing is, is so, in some ways, the enemy knows what we're geared for. I don't know how he knows. I don't know if he gets a sense of things. I don't know if he overhears things. But the thing is, is if the things that you are fearing, there's a good chance that that's where you're supposed to go. Wow, that's good. Because the enemy does does not want you to fulfill your purposes. Right, right. You know, there's Ephesians 2.10. It says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Yeah. We are so special, mm. every one of us. You know, I, I keep thinking about, you know, John the Apostle, the one he said whom Jesus loved. You know, early on I thought, gosh, is that an arrogant thing to say? You know, the, the one that Jesus loved. But I came to realize what it is. He was probably the one that understood how much Jesus loved him. Yeah. And that he could yeah. say that with a confidence that I am loved. But then on the other hand, he's also the same apostle that in the book of Revelation, Jesus appears to him and he comes like a dead man. Yeah. So, there, so we have to come to realize this Lord that we serve, this King of kings and Lord of lords, he is our friend He's a brother, because in Romans 8, it talks about that he wants us to be conformed, that he was the first among, among many brothers and sisters. He wants us to be his brothers and sisters. But on the same hand, we got to know that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. That if we stood in his presence, mm. we'd be, well, we couldn't stand, we could not stand in his presence. So when we think in Romans 8, where it says that he's ever interceding for us, how do we perceive that, Jesus? Who is that Jesus? Do we just mm. think he's just this nimble guy, just this nice guy that people loved and just a good friend. Nope, he's the king of kings yeah. and lord of lords. You know, in Colossians it talks about all things were made through him, for him, and in him. Mm -hmm. He's the beginning and the end. Yeah. You know, he, when him and the father decided to, to have us exist, yeah. you know, there was no need in God. He didn't need us. 
But in his love, he wanted to share. He wanted to allow what he, who he is yeah. to be shared with others. Yeah. And so all I wanted is to get to a place is that, you know, I'm just starting. I'm just, this is just the beginning for me. Now, I just turned 60 years old, but probably like, what's going on in the inside? I'm probably about 20. Sometimes I'm 10, you know, because, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. really, right. if you really yeah. are honest with who you are, yeah. how do you approach situations? Mm -hmm. Do you still pout? Yeah. Do you still act like a kindergarten in your relationships? Yeah. You know, the thing is, is what God wants to do is he's not looking for us to be good. Yeah. You know, good is a symptom. Good is a fruit. It is not a starting point. The starting point is allowing the Lord to come in and have residence. Because if he has residence, then he will. Because what, what does goodness come out? It's a fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness. These are things of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is a lot of times as we become believers, we want to create fake fruit. We want to duplicate that. But that you really cannot have those things unless the Lord takes control of your life. Mm -hmm. Because what does it says in Galatians 2.20? For I have been crucified with Christ. Yeah. It is no longer I who live, right. but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and mm -hmm. gave himself for me. I'm not to, I'm not to exist. Mm -hmm. But see, that sounds, that sounds horrible. I don't exist. No, what it is is the old man doesn't exist. Right. That's good. It's the new man that needs to yes. exist. And it's the new man that is the Ephesians 2.10, who he created us to be. Yeah. We have no idea of who we are. So Only the Lord knows. So good. Oh, man. Would you ever know he didn't want to get up and, and share? In fact, uh, no, God's doing something. So I mean, I was actually afraid. Yeah, let him know how much you love him. I actually went to the lunch I asked him to share with me. I, I kind of... You don't have to, but if you'd like to, and I'm so glad. I mean, he said yes right away, and I love what God's birthing inside of him. And as we were talking at lunch um, uh, the other day, uh, we were, you know, we were talking about Jesus and you know the Pharisee and the sinful woman, and how you know Jesus said, "Whoever's forgiven much loves much," and and that uh, really that's your heartbeat. You know, you know where you came from, and yet God saw you in that state, and he and he loved you. And and, and again, it's not about being good, but he just pulled you out and. So if you're feeling lost today, you're feeling like, I don't know if God loves me, if he's searching for me, I want to tell you today, he is, and he loves you. And whoever's forgiven much, loves much. It's us that, that are the Pharisees, that we have a hard time really realizing how much he loves us and, and diving in. But, um, but I'm going to have Gary share it a little bit more, but, but I want to give you some practical things today, and I'm going to ask Gary to expound on these. And so the first thing I'd like you to write down, the first thing we need to do is we need to meditate. We need to meditate. And when I say meditate or meditation, a lot of times everybody, like, alarms go off. Like, oh, I don't want to do that. You know, that's, that's an Eastern religion. That's some other religion. The Bible talks to us over and over again about meditating on God's Word and just having it become a part of who we are. And, and in other religions, that meditation is to empty and completely empty your mind. And while in, in Christian meditation we are emptying our mind of worldly things, we are filling our minds with the Word of God. Amen. And so we need to be meditating on the Word of God. And a lot of people say, well, I'm not good at meditating. I've got ADD. I can't think about one thing for two seconds, let alone meditating <laughs> on something. And let me tell you, 
everyone in this room, and I mean everyone in this room, is really good at meditation. You are good at meditating. If you don't believe me, if you are ever in a financial situation where you're in trouble, you're thinking about that all the time. You're meditating on it. If there's something wrong in your family and, and something you guys are going through, that's all you can think about. Those problems become our meditation. And then the, the devil's biggest trick is to remind you of your past. And just you start thinking about, oh, yeah, I was bad. I was, oh, I can't believe I did that. And so we start meditating on those kind of things. And, we, and then all of a sudden fear and worry and all these things. So you do meditate really well. But what you meditate on, listen to me, this is so important, what you meditate on directs your entire life. It determines your entire life. I'm going to give you a couple verses here, and then I'm going to ask Gary another question. But Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2 says, Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Your meditation determines everything in your life. And the Old Testament says in Isaiah 26 verse 3, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. We want to keep our mind on what God speaks. And so, yeah, there's, a, um, there's the handout. I'd like you to take that out. This is something that Gary put together for his life. I think you've shared it with the Sunday school class as well. And so, um, so this idea of meditating on God's Word, um, how do you do it? Like, help us today with a practical teaching on how do we meditate on God's Word, or how do you do it, and, and just share it with us. Well, I think there's a rather simple I take this list and it's in my car I'm at a stoplight I read it and I think about it I ponder upon it and the thing is what I've also done is for me the tool is Bible Gateway it's, it's the best thing you know if I in Sunday school if I didn't have Bible Gateway I would be lost because Chris my fellow Teacher, he is a teacher. He, he knows the Bible inside and out. I know sort of where to find things, but to get it always exact, Bible Gateway. So what I have done is when God speaks to me about some a concept or something he wants to deal in my life, I go on Bible Gateway, you know, find verses that relate to it, paste them into Word, print them out, and carry it along with me. If you saw the back seat of my car, it's a mess because I have all of these because... My, really, my Sunday school, my part of Sunday school is, you know, we are teaching on a subject, either a book of the Bible or, you know, like we just got done with um, teaching on the knowledge of the holy by A.W. Tozer. You know, you, I find whatever, I, whatever we're talking about, talking about the holiness of God, I'm looking for that. So what I'll do is I'll find the verses, and then I meditate on it. So beginning, starting beginning of the week until the time I teach, I just ponder upon it. And the Lord wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to us. You know, the thing is, you know, this is church, but he really is interested in a relationship with you. You know, this is a, so, such a small part of our lives. He's wanting to, he wants to wake us up. He wants to talk to us. He wants to, you know, it talks about in Corinthians that he wants to actually reveal the deep secrets of himself. But the thing is, he won't share that with anybody. He will only share that if you are safe. And the safe is from yourself. Because the problem is, God revealed deep things to you, and you aren't walking with the Lord. 
you'll, you'll, you'll create a mon monument. You'll, you'll say, see what God has done, and, and, you'll, and you'll run with it. But this, God doesn't reveal things about himself to be He's not going to be used. He will not be used. He, you know, he wants purity. He wants holiness. He wants depth in us that only he can do. And, and, and a lot of that just comes from emptiness, you know. I go, part of what's transformed my life probably over the last, I'd say, seven, eight years is I go for a walk every morning for half an hour. And that's my time with the Lord. And it's, you know, of course, I don't have this because it's dark, but the thing is I have enough of this in my heart that I'm rehearsing this all the time. And really, what did Jesus do whenever the, when the enemy came against him? What did he do? He spoke the word of God against the enemy. And the thing is, is if you want to battle the enemy, it's, you know, it talks about resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You know, he, the thing is, what happened when those people in Acts pretty much pretended like they had authority and they start speaking against the devil? He came at it and just ripped off their clothes and sent them running. The thing is, you can only resist the devil if you have the authority of the word. It's, you have to be standing on not your own authority, not on what you have accomplished, but on what Jesus has done for us. And so by, the only way you're going to know that is by knowing the word. And the thing is, there are, an ama there are amazing things that are in here that, you know, it's, it's funny. One of the first things when I first got saved, I, I was reading a book by um, Bonhoeffer. And I probably read four or five pages, and I had to put it down because he was talking about a life that I, I could not handle because it was just so, all it did is it convicted me. But the thing is, it's because I was trying to live that life. You can't, we can't live this Christian life. This is something that God has to do for us and through us. Because what it talks about in Romans 8, it talks about that we need to be controlled by the Spirit. And that control is not the same kind of idea that we think of control. See, if we want to control somebody, it means that we got, we're, we're, they have absolutely no, no say in the matter. But, you know, I was mentioning yesterday, you know, there's a scripture that says, where two or more agree upon anything, you will have requests. Well, I've come to realize I don't need any per persons because God has already agreed upon it because he's given me the promise. He now wants me to be the second person to be in agreement with that. Because the reality is, until I speak the word, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. A lot of times I used to thought that that was, you know, hearing it, you know, it is, it's important to hear from the pastors, from other teachers and that, but I've come to realize what the Lord wants to do is he wants to hear my voice. Because when I speak the word, that's when it settles inside of me. That's when, that's when faith gets built, is because I now, it becomes mine. Because the thing is, you know, when you're, when you, you know, argue with somebody, a lot of times they will not say things because they know once they, they say it with their voice, that's now part of your ammunition against them. You said it, so this has got to be true. Well, it works in the positive sense. When you say things and are, are speaking God's word, that is who you are. It becomes life. You know, Jesus, you know, did nothing, said nothing, went nowhere other than where the Father sent him. We are supposed to be the same. But the thing is, the problem is what we end up doing is we think it's religion. This is not religion. He's looking for relationship. He's looking to change us from the inside out.
He, you know, he said, unless you become like little children, you can never accept the kingdom of God. You can't, you can't enter. Because little children, you can, they, can, they believe in the Easter Bunny. They believe in Santa Claus. They believe anything you tell them. Well, God wants to say, can you believe me for anything I tell you? You know, we're following someone who said a word and the universes came into existence. But the problem is we look at ourselves and we see what's wrong with us. We see how we're still broken. But the thing is, is that you, you, you need to know how much God loves you. Because even in that brokenness, right. yeah. God can just... I can just transform you. It's so true because um, we were talking about this last night after the service and, and, and how um, we are broken and the world is broken. And the difference between our brokenness and the world's brokenness is we realize we're broken, but we bring it under the blessing of God. Yeah, we know we're broken. We, we admit that we're sinners. We admit that we're broken. And then we bring ourselves under the, the covering and the blessing of God. And, he, and, and, and it's something beautiful, but the world doesn't have that. And their brokenness, do you know why so, so many people in the world that you talk to, they will never admit that anything's wrong. They will never admit that they're broken because if you truly admit how broken you are, it would crush you. And it's like, I don't, I don't, and so they have to put up this front and they have to put all these things. And, and, and what we do is we take our brokenness, we bring it under the blessing and we, we invite others to bring their brokenness and bring it under the blessing of God. Because when he has it, uh, he actually makes that brokenness beautiful. Amen. He gives us beauty for ashes. We've talked about that before. Um, but Gary, just if, if you could, because I think what you were just talking about was so good, um, and you shared a little bit about it last night, how um, when we get it on the inside, that's actually where the fruit comes from. You know, because a lot of times, like when you're reading that Bonhoeffer book, you're going to try to produce that fruit, and you can't do it on your own. So maybe just talk about how that fruit's produced in our life before we give the next, um, the next uh, help. I guess the thing is, I don't know how it's produced because it's a God thing. It's, um, it's more so submitting. Um, I have a mental thing that I've done personally. You know, when God comes to me and, and wants to deal with me, I have two choices. I can be like this and saying, this is mine, and then God has to break my fingers to get it open. Or if I can basically be in a position like this of saying, everything's there. And when you get to know that you're loved, you don't, you don't worry about, because it says in Romans 8, therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's also a verse in Hebrews 10.14, it says, by one sacrifice, Jesus, what he did for us, we are already made perfect forever those whom he is making holy. So as far as God's concerned, we're 100% A-OK. -okay. Because that's why we can do Hebrews 4, where we can boldly come before the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy in our time of need. There, there is, you don't have to earn it. And the problem is, as human beings, we feel good about ourselves if we can earn it. If we can actually look at something inside of us and say that, I've got myself here. But the thing is, there is something that you have to do. You have to be in agreement. Because God, you know, the, the, there's a... a Two-letter word that is used throughout the, new, um, the Gospels, and that word is if. We have a choice. If you follow me, if you, want to, if you do this, if you do that, we have to be in a place of agreement 
with what God wants to do. And sometimes those things aren't always fun. It's, it's not always easy. Because the thing is, if I've been going off in the wrong direction, you know, sometimes you have to unthink it. I, like I mentioned yesterday, I have got to a place that I have decided that everything in my life is on the table. What I mean by that is I have no preconceived ideas about anything anymore. I've come to realize that I need to be taught. You know, again, it's not talking about the natural things. There's the natural things that you, you, you have to do to, to perform your functions of life. But I'm talking about who I am. Because I've come to realize a lot of times my first response is coming automatic. But I've come to a place where the Lord has helped me to put stop points. You know, used to be, you know, if somebody did something, you get immediately angered. You don't, need, you don't even have no choice. You just get from A to Z immediately. But with the help of the Lord, he starts saying, okay, take a breath. Why, why are you angry? The thing is, because really what God wants to do is it's not so much he wants to go into your garbage, but the problem is the garbage is there. And for you to, to, to say that it doesn't exist, you're just deceiving yourself. God wants us to be clean. He wants us to be holy. He wants us to be perfect in his sight. And only he can do that. And to, for that to actually take place, again, it gets down to the thing of, of love. In, in Ephesians 3, it talks about that we may know the height, the depth, the width and breadth of the love of God. You know, we, a lot of times we quote, he can do exceedingly above everything we can ask or believe, but you need to have this in front of that. You have to know the love of God that will then fill you to the fullness of God. As you know the love of God, it will fill you. It will, it will transform you. Okay, so again, some good preaching today. I'm telling you what, that is, that is the truth right there. I want to give you some more practical things that you can do. And so uh, another thing, so we talked about meditating on God's Word and then writing it down, which is what Gary did with the, the rights of the believer, that we write it down. It says in Habakkuk uh, chapter 2 and verse 2, and the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it, to write down what God's speaking to you. And the reason we write things down is because we need to remember them, but we need to be motivated. I like to write down quotes and scriptures and thoughts and different things that, that I get. I like writing them down, maybe putting on Facebook, because I want to I remember them for myself. I want others to see them. And, uh, and we need that type of motivation in our lives. I'm also going to encourage you that, that uh, not only to write them down, but to, to highlight it in your Bible. And uh, I stopped using my Bible a couple years ago, and I was using my um, iPad pretty much for everything. And including highlighting and note-taking. And I still use my iPad a lot for preaching and, and, and studying and all that. But, but I went back to the Bible and, and highlighting and writing it down. And I fill them up fairly fast. Every few years I fill one up. And I, when I fill them up, I, I give them to Leslie so that she has them. And then I, I, I just tell her this. If anything ever happens to me, I want you to have these. And I want you to give them to our boys. And if we have grandchildren someday, give them to our grandchildren. Because um, the thing that I treasure the most is my grandparents' Bibles. To, to open them up and to see what they highlighted and what they underlined. They didn't have highlighters back then, so they underlined a lot. And they write a little note here and there, and I just love opening those Bibles. It's like, it's like the presence of the Lord is there when they open. And I, and I, Because to be honest with you, my grandkids will not care about my iPad one bit. It's going to be so old-fashioned and so out. They're not going to want this. They're going to want to hold this. 
Because this is what God's speaking. So God says, write it down. Write it down. We have the Bible because somebody wrote it down back then. And so write it down as, as Gary did with the rights of the believers and, and in the back seat of his car. Just start printing it out. Start writing it down and start sharing it with people around you. We want to hide it in our hearts. Gary already mentioned it, but it's Psalm 119.11. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So we want to hide it inside of our hearts, hide it inside of our lives. So we want to, we want to meditate on it, write it down, and then there's, there's another practical thing that I'd like you to write down. I want you to review and remind. Review and remind. You need to review what God has spoken, and then you need to remind yourself of what God has spoken. And I'm going to tell you something. You may say this sounds really sacrilegious, but listen to me. I want you not just to remind yourself, but to remind God. To remind God. Now, you may say, well, that, doesn't God know all things, and doesn't he already know? Yeah, he, he does. But we got some pretty good scriptural precedent here, because Abraham reminded God, and Moses reminded God, and Joshua reminded God, and David, most of all, reminded God all the time, and Nehemiah reminded God, and it goes on and on and on, and, and we're reminding God, God, you promised, you promised and there's something about reviewing it and reminding yourself. And, 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 and that's when the faith begins to build, when you begin to look at these things and the, all the things that Gary's been sharing and talking about today, when they become alive in our hearts, there's, there's power in that. There's power in reminding. And so we're going we're gonna, to uh, take a few more minutes here today, but, um, but I want to ask Gary again because, um, you know, Gary, somebody can, this, this happens when you preach, you know, somebody can hear you preach and think, man, this guy's got it all together. I mean, this guy's, this guy's, he's like perfect. He's like Jesus, you know, like, like, and, and God is doing an amazing thing in your life. I'm not trying to be funny, but, but, but how do you, maybe the best question is, how do you live this out every day? Because I know life's not perfect. No. And I know you, you work hard and, and everything in life. And so how, how do you do this? Like, like if you could give us one thing before we go, this is how I do it, even though, it's not perfect. Well, I think it's just staying soft before the Lord and being honest. Um, when, you, when you mess up, you just admit it. And the thing is that the Lord knows everything anyways. So, you know, if we're in a deception mode, it's just nothing's going to ever get better. And I think, you know, I've been in this Christian life over 40 years, and it's, it was always the thing, you know, going around the mountain. You know, God takes you around the same mountain over and over again until you, until you actually get it right. Because the thing is, you're not in agreement with him. If you're, if you're going to do it your own way, God's going to say, I'm not going to let you go. And so what I just did is when the Holy Spirit tells me something that's not right, I listen. And I, and I agree. And, and sometimes you need circumstances to do that. Sometimes... Somebody has to confront me because, you know, I'm still blind, you know. My family knows, you know, they know who I am. If my wife was here, she would share all kinds of things that <laughs> I don't have together. And, and she'd be right. But the thing is, the amazing thing, God looks at us differently than that. Mm -hmm. so good. He looks at where we're going to become, yeah. not necessarily where we're at. So good. See, the problem is, is that we stand still. We, we look at where we're at and we say, what's the use? What hope do I have? Because we see our own frailty. But I have got to the place, again, with the promises of God. There, again, it's, you know, 
2 Peter 1, 3 says, His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who's called us by His own glory and goodness by which He's given us His very great and precious promises that through these you may participate in the divine nature and escape corruption in the world caused by evil desires. God's given us all things. Yeah. Good. The thing is, we have to get in agreement because the next verse says, and then add to your faith, goodness, and to your goodness, knowledge, and to your knowledge, self-control, and to your self-control, perseverance, and to your perseverance, brotherly love, and to your brotherly love, love. And it says, if you do not lack these qualities, it will prevent you from being unproductive and ineffective in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Not in being good, in your knowledge of knowing him. See, because the reality is, this whole life is to know him. Yeah. When you know him, yeah. everything else gets transformed. That's so good. This isn't, God didn't create us to do things, mm-hmm. even though that's part of our lives. But it's, it's supposed to be the fruit. The thing is, he first wants to make us a good tree. He wants those roots to be grounded where there is nothing that can shake us. Yeah. You know, we, so what we do, we put these fake fruits out there, making people think that they were good, but they can't be eaten. Other people can't taste them because they have absolutely no value. So to me, the practical thing is, is just know that I'm loved and just agree, being in agreement. It's, yeah. it's, and when you know that you're loved by God, you can begin to love other people. When you realize how much God loves you and that he chose you, you can start seeing that in other people. But if you don't feel that for yourself, you can't give that away. That's right. And uh, so I just encourage you to... And I'm going to have uh, just, Gary, share one more thing and, and pray for us before we go today. But um, if, if you're inspired by this or you need more of this, um, really, every week in Sunday school, at 845, every Sunday morning, just get up an hour early, come to church an hour early, and, um, and along with great teaching on whatever the topic is that, that month or that, that season, uh, along with just encouraging from God's Word, it, it'll build you up. It'll make you strong because we want to get the Word on the inside of us. So, but I'm going to let Gary share anything else he wants to do and pray for us in just a moment. But I just want to encourage you again to do these things we've talked about today. Meditate on the Word of God. You've got some great verses right in front of you. They've been written down for you, but that's another thing. Write it down. If God's speaking something to you, just start writing it down on this piece of paper or inside your Bible. Start highlighting your Bible. Start getting what God is speaking to you down on paper. Um, and, and, and just, again, allow it to, to keep motivating you and ministering to you. And then go back and review it and, and remind yourself, remind God and, and do that. And so, and just the, the last thing is we got to go live this out now. We got to go act this out because it's true. God's word is true in every way. I started with a quote. I want to end with a quote today. Um, and it's this, uh, God didn't give you his divine nature so you would live a normal life. God did not give you his divine nature so that you'd live a normal life. We've got to learn what the word says about us, what it says about our life. And and you are what the Bible says you are. Amen. And you have what it says you have. You've got to walk in that. So we've got to, we've got to live this out. We've got to meditate on it, write it down, review it, remind ourselves, and now we've got to act it out, live it out. But I want Gary to pray for us before we uh, have our blessing and, and before we go this morning. 
Um, Gary, any final words? And then, then as Gary prays, just lift your hands before the Lord and receive from the Lord. I love what God's doing in Gary's life. Thank you for, thank you very much for um, uh, sharing this morning. And I know um, uh, put you on the spot, but just share any final thoughts and well, pray for us. Well, just the verse that just comes to my mind is from Hebrews eleven six. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You must believe it exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Seek him, you'll be found. You know, we've, Jeremiah is the thing that we said, you know, I know the hope that I have for you. You know, plans to do good, do good to you. Plans for a future. But what it doesn't say is, but when you seek me, you must seek me with all your heart. The, the, the thing is, it's in our hands. It's not how good you are, it's your effort. The thing is, is that you, the amazing thing, we all have 24 hours. And you see some people do unbelievable things with those same 24 hours that we say, hey, I have no time for. We choose to do with our time with what we want. I have decided my, my, the rest of my life is going to be seeking the Lord. Because the thing is, I'm going to be with him for the rest of eternity. We're already eternal beings. The thing is, we, we forget that. We think heaven is in the future. Ephesians talks that we are already seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We're, we're already there. The only thing is, is do you have the mind of Christ? Do you understand who we are in Christ? And again, the thing is, is that the hardest thing about all this thing, and what, what's been something I've had to learn, is that just because I think it doesn't mean I'm going to have it happen tomorrow. This is a walk. And, and, that, and that's why we have, the, I think, the Old Testament, because we, we see the saints of old, the walk that they had to take to actually get to the fulfillment. And some, Joseph, Moses, you know, it took a long time. It wasn't, it was 40 years. There was 40 years in the desert. Joseph was in prison in that. But again, God used those circumstances to redeem people, yeah. save nations. God, you don't know what God has in store for any one of us. The problem is that we have small thinking because we look at ourselves through our own eyes. But what the promises do, they may, may help you to look through, at yourself through God's eyes and let him speak into you what you can do. And again, this isn't for anything external glorious because the reality is what God wants you to do is he wants you to be at peace with him. He wants you to be in fellowship with him where he can tap you on the shoulder at any given point and tell you, hey, this is what you need to be thinking about. This is what you need to be praying for. This is where you need to go. This is what you need to do. This is, you know, this is, this person needs love. This person just needs a smile. You know, sometimes we make these things very complicated. But really, it's everyday life that the Lord really wants to redeem us into. Because that's where, the world's looking. Everybody's watching. And what do they see? Do they see Jesus in us? And I can't manufacture that, so pray for us. Lord, Thank you. you know, it's your word that basically says who we are and what we can become. So we just put our hope and our trust in you, oh Lord. And Lord, the amazing thing is that every one of us in this room come from different circumstances, environments. What we're all thinking about this second, Lord, is just so unique and individual. But the reality is, Lord, you know where each one of us is. And you have a purpose and a plan. So I ask, O oh Holy Spirit, by your power, 
The same power that raised Christ from the dead will quicken our mortal bodies. He'll transform our minds so that we can have the mind of Christ. Lord, so that we can walk the way Jesus walked. So Lord, I just ask for anyone here who thinks that I've gone too far, there's, there's no hope for me. Lord, I ask, oh Lord, that you would reveal by your presence how much they're loved and how much you want to do a mighty work in their lives. So again, we just thank you for what you've done for us. And we just ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Gary, very much. That was, that was such a good day. And Gary's going to just stay down front to pray. Yeah, let's let Gary know how much we love him. Appreciate him.